You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Man, oh man, oh man. We have, uh, <clears throat> we have soaked this city in prayer. We've done it in the past, and we did it again Saturday. Uh, had an incredible turnout. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we walked 34 miles around this city and prayed. Um, we had groups that did it in five-mile increments and walked the whole city, that whole 34 miles, including parts of the county and other areas. And then we had a, a smaller group. There was five of us that walked the whole 34 and, and prayed again. And so, uh, man, just prayed over it. I just believe that you have to step out in faith. You know, I was walking, and as we were walking, Daniel was with me, and Daniel walked the whole way with me, Daniel Cox, and we were walking, he goes, Pastor, we're farming. And then I'm like, you're right, we are. You know, that first group walked the 34 miles in five-mile increments and planted, and we're coming right around and watering it. And so we planted and watered. And you know, what I know is God never forgets a prayer, not a heartfelt prayer. And uh, it blessed me that all the groups, I started with the first 530 group in the morning over here at Sunset, the relief route. And uh, man, it wasn't a lot of conversation. It wasn't like we were walking around talking. You know, I don't like it when people say, we have a prayer group, and then everybody just stands around and talks. They open with prayer, and everybody just kind of jaws and talks and fellowships, and then they close with prayer. They call that prayer. No, I like it when people come to pray. And so they came to pray yesterday. There was hardly any conversation. Once the prayers started rolling in, we had 60 prayers over uh, salvation for the lost in our families, in our city, in this valley, uh, for uh, our marriages and our children. And then we had uh, prayers for uh, healing and then finances and a total of 15 apiece for each one of those groups, 60 prayers. And, man, the people got busy and got praying. And it was awesome. And, and uh, we based that. You think, well, what good did that do? Well, God always honors prayer, first of all. But this is what good it did. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it said, Paul said this. He said in verse 6, I planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it or watered it. But it was God who causes it to grow. This means that the one who plants is, any, is not anybody special, nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. No, nor the one who plants and the one who waters are, are, are now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. Listen, guys, we, uh, there is something about being a co-worker with God. You know, people don't realize there are some things in God's sovereignty that he has spoken that matter what people do is going to happen. There's other things that will not happen unless we become a co-worker. You notice Paul didn't say, uh, I did nothing and Apollos did nothing. God just brought increase. No, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, then the Holy Spirit brought the increase. God brought the increase. And he said, we're co-workers. There's some things that are not going to happen until we move. They're just not going to happen until we pray. Not going to happen. Won't happen in your life. Won't happen for anybody else. Won't happen for a city. Won't happen for a nation. Won't happen anywhere until God's people begin to plant and water in prayer. Only when that happens. And there has to be some action to it. When Paul said he planted, he planted a church. He put some action to it. When Paulus watered, he grew the church. There was action. You know, he, he watered the church, and then God began to grow all that. Any farmer will tell you, you cannot put your seed in the barn and expect it to grow. God has already spoken life into seeds. Human beings don't bring life out of seeds. God has spoken life into the seeds, or we don't put life into the seeds. God spoke life into the seeds, and he spoke life into his word, and we prayed out the word. All 60 prayers were based on the word. And I don't know in the history of Roswell if anybody's ever walked the complete circumference, 34 miles around the county and the city, and, and prayed over it like that. I know people have prayed, but I don't know if anybody's ever done that, but it's been done now. It's been done twice. 
And so we plant the word and then we water the word and then we have this expectation, what I'm talking about today, we have this hope that God is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. We don't always do what we say we're going to do or do what we're supposed to do, but God always does what he says he's going to do. Always. Always does what he says he's going to do. So we planted and we watered, and man, it's going to be generational. I sensed it when I was praying over, our, uh, over the valley, over our families and our church family. It's going to be generational. There was a love and a compassion in it. I mean, there was multiple times that we've teared up and wept as we walked. And man, it just, there was such a compassion and such a move of God's love over our, over our valley and over our families. It was powerful. I said it was powerful. Um, and uh, it was incredible. And so I want to honor some people, but before I honor those who walked and prayed, I want to honor our veterans this morning. We honored them Wednesday night. We honored them in first service. We're going to honor our veterans now. And so I'm going to ask you, if you've ever served in the military, you're currently serving, please stand up. We want to honor you. We want to bless you for your service. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Thank all of you. Praise God. Men and women both, man. It's incredible. Uh, we want to honor you. I want to say to all our vets, uh, we have a gift for you at the information table. If you go there, um, uh, uh, we'll get, you, uh, get your name and a little information from you. We're not trying to mail you anything or do anything like that. We just want to make sure you were a veteran because some people try to take advantage. But uh, we know that you won't, right? Amen. And so, but all of our veterans, we have a gift for you. We have a $20 gift certificate to Valor. We want to buy your dinner, want to buy your lunch, your breakfast, whatever you want to do over there. We just bless you from our church. Every Veterans Day, we give out hats or T-shirts or we do something, meals or coffee shops, or we do something and we always want to give you a blessing. I know it's a small token, but it's our token of gratitude for all of you that have served our nation we're so grateful for you. And then the next, we had 107 people show up Saturday morning in the cold to walk and pray over this city and, uh, and over this whole valley, over our families and our church family. Um, man, and so I want, if you walked yesterday and prayed with us, please stand up. I want to I honor you today. Thank you for showing up. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank all of you for doing that. And then we had a group, we had over 27 people ask for the scriptures that couldn't walk or at work or something. And they also prayed with us while we were praying. And so if you prayed with us but weren't able to walk with us, please stand up. I want to honor you too. If you, just, if you prayed with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for praying with us. If you didn't get to walk or get to pray with us, we have copies of those 60 scriptures. At the information desk, you can grab those, and you can take about an hour uh, to two hours this week and just get in agreement with us. Pray those same prayers for your family. Say, pray those same prayers for the church family and for this valley. That's our responsibility. This valley is our responsibility. We, we pray for all. The Bible says pray for all men. We pray for everybody. But, man, this valley is the responsibility God gave our church. We're to minister and touch this valley. And so that's what we're going to do. Amen? And so if you want to join us in that prayer and add your prayers to our prayers, man, please, please, please go get those prayers. And don't piddle around with them. Set aside an hour or more. It took us about two hours, an hour plus to pray through them. Man, set aside that time uninterrupted and just focus your heart and your prayers in with us. Because it will. The Holy Spirit always confirms God's word and always brings increase to God's word. Amen. God watches over his word to perform it. It will come to pass. And so please add your faith to our faith and let's continue to minister to, to, to people and to this valley, to our, man, we pray. I pray so much for you guys. I pray for my family and my church family every single day. And we need to be praying for one another. I said we need to keep, we need to keep Praying for one another. God expects us to pray continually. He said, pray continually. There should be a, a, your life should have an attitude, a spirit of prayer about it. That when you hear about something, you pray. I try to pray immediately so I don't forget. Someone says, hey, pray for me, man. I'll pray right then. I, so I don't forget. I pray right then. And so pray. Get in prayer. Stay in prayer. 
God answers prayers if you don't lose hope. Let me say it again. If you don't lose hope, God will answer your prayer. He said, through faith and patience, you inherit all the promises of God. He said, if you don't lose heart and you don't give up, you don't give up, he said, you will reap the harvest. You just got to hang on to hope. That's why I'm talking about hope. That's why I'm talking about it. I want you to look at another scripture with me. Go with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 15. Jesus is praying, and he said, I'm not asking that you remove them from the world. He's talking, praying to the Father. But I ask that you guard their hearts from evil, for they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me, just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice, so they will live a fully dedicated, uh, live fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. God wants us to live fully dedicated. The way Jesus fully dedicated his life, he wants us to fully dedicate our lives. And why am I talking about that? Well, it involves the hope I'm about to talk about, but it also it, it involves the prayers that we prayed, but it also involves the losses that we've suffered in our state and in our nation over this last election. Listen, no matter what the world does, no matter how many times they look like they're winning, I promise you this, they never are. It's, it's a setup for greater failure by the devil, and it's a setup for great defeat because of our God. Amen. Amen. I was talking to Representative Rob Montoya, who, who, who tried to win the House back in New Mexico in the governor's race and didn't succeed, and we were talking about a new strategy, and we came up with a new strategy to approach our whole state, but... Uh, I, I, some, sometime I'll get into that. But today, I want to talk about what we, what we concluded in that conversation. And this is what we concluded. Guys, I have always hated losing. That's my family. I hate to lose. I hate to lose. I hate to lose more than I like to win. I like winning, but I hate to lose. But there's something I hate even more. I hate quitting. Because listen, you can lose 15 times. If you don't quit, you'll get that victory the 16th time. But if you quit, you'll lose all hope. There's no more hope if you quit. If you, if you suit back up and try again, there's still hope of a victory. If you show back up at work, there's still hope. You show back up in that relationship. You show back up to church. You show back up for your kids. You show back up for your family. You show back up for your country. You show back up for your city. You show back up for your community. There, as long as you keep showing up and you don't quit, there's always hope of another victory coming. And what I love about victory is that you can lose a thousand times, but when you finally get that victory, it's like all that, you know, it felt like everything all was lost all those times you were losing. It's like, oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that really hurts. But then when you get the victory, it's like, ah, that was nothing. It, it feels like nothing. When you're in it, it feels like everything. When you're on top of it, it's like, oh, man, why was I so worried? Let me say this to you. If God's not worried, why are we worried? If God's not afraid, why would we be afraid? If God's not concerned about what the world just did and what happened in our elections, then why should we get all distraught about it or down or out or depressed or angry about it? If God's not, we're not. Why? Because he's still on the throne. And no matter how many losses we suffer, victory's coming. Victory's coming if we don't lose hope. If we don't quit. If we just don't quit, if we don't quit, there's always hope. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on the church. Don't quit on Jesus as the Lord. Ah, uh, when you quit, all hope is lost. And that's the only time all hope is lost is when you give up. When you give up. Jesus said, listen, if you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. This once saved, always saved stuff is not true. The same way you receive Jesus in your heart, you can deny him from your heart. I'm not talking about you have an emotional moment and you think, oh man, 
that dad's just, no, you didn't answer my prayers. This didn't go my way. You know, God, I'm not going to church anymore. Man, God, I'm, I'm down. I'm I just giving up. I mean, that's, I'm not talking about an emotional moment where you don't feel good or you kind of feel like you're quitting. But I'm t- and you know, but you know in your heart, uh, I'm not really quitting. Your head's saying, this is, this is too much. It hurts too much. I'm too I'm frustrated about it. It just doesn't look good. But your heart is saying, nah, you're not quitting. You know what I'm talking about. But when your heart says, I quit, and you turn your back on God, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you play too many games in your head, that you quit on God too many times in your head, eventually what comes into your head trickles down to your heart. You don't want to keep doing that. But I think all of us at one time or another said, golly, God, what's up with this? Man, this can't be right. Are you, do you really care about me? I think we've all thought all those thoughts. But in our heart, we knew. We knew the truth. If you totally turn your heart against God, you will not. God says it over and over again. He said, if you're neither hot nor cold but lukewarm, I'll spew you out. How many times does he have to say, if you turn your heart against me, if you turn your heart against me, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Again, I'm not talking about some emotional moment. I'm talking about a heartfelt turn. Don't ever turn your heart against God. Because if you, if you don't, there's always hope. If you don't quit, if you don't quit in your heart, you might quit out of your mouth. You might think, golly, I'm done with this. I'm finished with this. But you know in your heart you haven't quit then you haven't quit and there's still hope for victory. I hope everybody in this church learns that you might lose and you might hate losing, but worse, you need, we all need it. The worst thing is, is to give up, to quit. Hate quitting more than you hate losing. You know, we have a generation where we let people, it kind of rocks my world a little bit, that people start things and then, like, when I coach Little League basketball and stuff, um, man, it's like, oh, we're going on vacation. I'm like, you went on vacation during the season? Did you know you were going on vacation before you signed up for this? Oh, that's just Little League. No, it's life. Let me say it again. It's, it's life. What you're teaching them is you can make a commitment to a team, and then when you don't feel like it or you just want to leave, you want to go on vacation, you want to go out of town for a weekend, you just go. You know how many times my kids had to stay here? We were gone. Garrett, when he played basketball, we'd, have to, we'd go on vacation and leave him here because he had to be at practice. Is that not right, Garrett? Why? Because he made a commitment, and he's going to keep it. Sometimes we think, we justify it. Well, it's family time. Well, I tell you something. Family time is awesome. We need it, but I tell you what it, what's better. is not quitting and not showing up. Time needs to be over. We need to not quit, teach our kids not, not, that they should never quit, that what they start, they finish. And they don't quit and they don't give up till the job is done. Doesn't mean they have to play next season, but they committed to this season. You better finish it. We need to teach our children. They show up for practice. Unless they're in the hospital or someone's dying, they show up for practice. I don't know how many of those kids, well, my, my mom and dad were tired. They didn't bring me to practice. I'm like, what are they teaching you? If you're tired, you don't show up. How many of you have been tired and went to work? How many of you have been tired and had a birthday party for your kids? How many of you have been tired and showed up for church? How many of you have been tired and showed up for everything? How many of you have been tired and showed up for vacation? We can't use these things and teach our children to be quitters because that's how they become hopeless. You wonder why this generation it walks around, they're taking more mental medication than any generation combined. More depression than all the other generations combined. Over 200 years, more medication, more mental issues with our young people right now than ever before. It's because parents have taught them there's no such thing as commitment. That when you commit to something, you commit to a team, you commit to a project, you finish it. Doesn't mean you have to always stay there, but you finish what you started. Then you can move forward. We got to teach our children to hate losing. Not a competitive spirit where we're jealous or envious of others. That, that goes way beyond 
what, we, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type of determination where it said Jesus set his face like flint towards Jerusalem and he was determined to go to that cross. I'm talking about that kind of determination, that attitude. Jesus was going to win a victory and it was going to happen no matter what. Nothing was going to get in his way. He was going to win this victory for us. He was going to honor God no matter what. I'm talking about that kind of commitment. God said this, and we prayed one of these prayers on the, on the path, that, Father, you said if I delight in you, you'll give me the desires of my heart. But we didn't have the second part of that scripture. It says when you commit, everybody say commit. When you commit your ways to him, he'll bring them to pass. The reason a lot of prayers aren't answered is not because they're not asked. There's billions of prayers that go up. The reason a lot of prayers aren't answered is because people, have, they have a desire of their heart, but they don't have a commitment to God. And guess what? You can fool everybody, but you can't fool him. You cannot fool God. You can fool everybody, but you can't fool him. You cannot fool him. He knows if you're committed or not. He said, commit your ways. Ways of what? Way of life. Commit your way of life to him, and he will bring. That's why you have people that consistently have God answering prayer and doing things, and you have people that consistently don't have it. It all comes down, not, not to desires of the heart. All of us have desires of the heart. It all comes down to commitment. Are you committed? Committed when? Committed when you fail a thousand times. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times. We know the number seven is the number of completion. That means he might fall 7,000 times. He always gets back up. What is that proverb about? Not quitting. He just, a righteous man, someone who's right with God, just never quits. They fall. I'd, I'd get down, but I don't know if I can get back up after walking 34 miles. Where's my 34-mile crowd? I had, I had two of them in first service. Reve and April were here. Uh, two of them were here. Robert, stand up. Brother Daniel, stand up. They walked all 34 miles with me. Beto walked 17 miles with us, and a bunch of you others joined us. How many? Oh, that's right, 22. He walked 22 miles with us. Uh, and several others joined us along the way. Several other people, Jim and Diane and my, my son Tucker and the motorcycle group come by and encouraged us. Several other people came along the way and Caden and his wife, came, Cox's, came and encouraged us. And Pastor Sergio, he heard himself walking. He said, man, Pastor, I'm not as young as I used to be. I said, I know. I'm turning 60 in about a week. And so, anyway, he came back, and he, he, he felt so bad about it, he came back and followed us in his car after he did a quinceanera. He, he came back and followed us in his car in his suit and followed us the last 10 miles or so, and he really helped me. He turned on the Rocky music. You know, I like, that's my favorite song. Eye of the Tigers, that's unbeatable. That's, that song's unbeatable. He turned that on and pumped me up, and I did a little Rocky thing for him, you know. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I appreciate all of you that, that walked. Jacob walked with us. Young man, Jacob walked 17 miles with us. Savino and his son walked with us. I mean, a bunch of people. But, but guys, there was something about that group that when we finished th the 30, when we finished where we started, we finished at sunset in the relief route. We started there at 530 in the morning. At 7 o'clock at night, we finished that. And when we finished that, there was something about it. There's something about that finish line. And there was something about all those little pick-me-ups along the way that people just encouraged us. And the motorcycles came back and honked at us and shook their fists at us. And, uh, you know, uh, Jim and Diane came by and brought us, uh, what are those things? Uh, huh? Paydays. Paydays. They brought us little payday mini-bike things. And people came by and gave us water. Uh, and, and, I mean, just different things that happened. And uh, Ralph and that whole team, Jacob, and all them that were out there with us. And Marnie was out there. I mean, they just encouraged us. And I mean, there's something about it. And they encouraged us not to quit, not to give up. Because, man, many times my body's like, boy, what are you doing out here? You're 60 years old. What are you doing with your body? You should have, I told Daniel, I said, I should have did this when I was 35. He said, Pastor, you couldn't pray like this when you're 35. I said, then what I really want is I want a 35-year-old body but a 60-year-old heart and mind. Because youth is wasted on the young, you know. There's some truth to that. If you got gray hair, you know there's some truth to that. But, 
But yeah, I mean, there was something about all those words of encouragement, all those people stopping by, my son Tucker stopping by, everybody just stopping by and encouraging us and just, you know, and that's what God's doing. That's why you come every Sunday. The Bible says gather together and encourage one another because we need those little encouragement boosts so that we'll walk all the way to the finish line. And there's something was so exciting. We thought we saw the stop sign at sunset in, uh, in, in the relief route. We thought we saw them. We're like, whoa, there's a sign. And then we realized it was another sign. It wasn't that sign. <laughs> but for about 25 yards, we were like, we're almost there. They were like, oh, no, we're not. We got to walk. But when we finished, it was energizing. And there's a picture of us. Throw that picture up there of when we finished. This is the group that finished all 34 miles. Right there. We finished the whole 34 miles. And we watered what you planted. Why? Because there's a hope inside of us. There's a hope inside of us. Let's go, and we talked about that. Let's go to Romans chapter 4, where Abraham, it's talking about Abraham. But it's not just talking about Abraham in this chapter. He talks about Abraham, but there's a greater point to this message that God's speaking to us through his word. It says in uh, Proverbs, I mean Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 18. It says this. Let me find it. He says, against all odds, or most translations say, Hope against hope. Hope against hope. When it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. I'm going to back up here. What does it mean to hope against hope? Well, he explains that in the next several verses. He said, in spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having his son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. That first hope is hope in the flesh. The reason it's hope against hope, the first hope is what we are capable of producing ourselves. We're capable of doing stuff, right? Even people without God do stuff. They build businesses, they have families, they do stuff. We're God gave human beings the ability to do things, to think things, to dream things, to accomplish things, to, to get married, to have kids. I mean, we have an ability, with or without God, God placed this ability in us to produce, to do things. But he's saying this, that first hope is the hope of the flesh. That's what happens. They end up running out of hope. Because they don't have the second hope. What's the second hope? In the supernatural ability of God that when the fleshly hope is gone, God can do the impossible. When all hope is gone, when all hope in your flesh is gone, like, man, I've done everything I know to do. I've tried everything I know to try. That's why the world, that's why so many famous people take their own lives. That's why they have three, four, five, six marriages. That's why they have all these problems and all these issues. That's why they end up in rehab. And half, I'd say more than half of them are on medication. Because without this second hope, when you come to the end of fleshly hope, like I've done all I can do, I'm never enough, it's never enough, fame and fortune wasn't enough, this wasn't enough, this isn't enough, you know, I tried to be this person, that wasn't enough, and this isn't enough, and this isn't enough, and this isn't enough, they just lose all hope because they don't have the hope in God. This is a spiritual hope that supersedes the flesh, that says what is impossible for man is possible with God. That's what Abraham was talking about. He said, I hoped against hope. All hope in the flesh was gone. My body's dead. We're in Cape Sarah's body's dead. We're incapable of having a child. But, but, but I have hope in God that he'll fulfill his promise in our life. He'll overcome the natural and do the supernatural. That's the difference. Most peop people, even Christians, have a lot of hope in the flesh. They, they have all this hope in these elections, and it devastated. It hurt me when, we, when it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, and we see righteous people ruling. But it's not going to end me. Why? Because I got this other hope. No matter what the world does, God's on the throne. No matter what everybody else does, God's on the throne of my life. 
in your life. So we have this other hope. No matter what everybody else does, we have this other hope. It looks like your marriage will never be fixed. It looks like your kids will never do what's right. It looks like this. It looks like this. It looks like that. But if you have the God of all hope living inside of you by the Holy Spirit, there's still there's no quitting you. You, you hate the losing. You hate to see what's happening. But you hate quitting even more because you got the God of hope in you that won't let you quit. He says, hey, when all looks lost in the flesh, you still got me. And I'm greater than the the flesh. I'm greater than this world. He said, he that is in you is greater than the. Guys got it halfway right. You said world. It's greater than he that is in the world. So God is greater than Satan. God is greater than all the evil. God is greater when your flesh is done, when you've done everything you know to do. Oh, man, when you have the God of hope, it's not over. It's not finished. Why? Because you're not quitting. Because you have the God that always wins and never loses. You have the God that when he closes a door, he opens up a better door. You can thank him for the closed doors and thank him for the open doors. Because when he closes this door, that means he's got something better for you in the future. That's called hope. Hope. So often we thank him for the open doors, but we don't always thank him for the closed doors till after the fact. Anybody ever done that? You're like, crud, God, why'd you close that door? Why didn't I get that house? Why didn't, I, why didn't this happen? Why didn't this happen and that happen? Golly, God. And we don't thank him. We don't say, okay, God, I thank you for that closed door. And, and then have this hope. The hope has a, is a confident expectation that something's going to happen good tomorrow. That there's something better coming. And without it, that's why the world is so depressed. That's why we're on more, and I'm not harping on mental medication, but guys, we're, we're the most medicated country in the nation times 100. We're 100% more than the next nation. Why would we have the most prosperous nation in the world, but the most depressed nation in the world? I'll tell you why. Their hope is in the flesh and not in God. But when you have hope in God, it's hard to stay down because his hope keeps bubbling up. Like, no, hold on, this ain't over. God even said, when we grieve, when those we love die, we grieve. But he said, we grieve with a hope. We grieve with a hope. We grieve just like the world grieves, but we, we, he said we don't grieve like they grieve. They grieve like it's hopeless. We grieve like there's a hope. Why do we grieve like there's a hope? Because there's a heaven in the next life. We'll see him again in the next life. They're still alive. Their body's dead. Their spirit is alive and well in heaven. We cry our tears and we miss them. But man, we have a hope. I don't know if it's alive in you, it's alive in me. I can't wait to see my, my sister. I can't wait to see my daddy. I can't wait to see my grandmama. I can't wait to see so many that I've loved in this church that have passed away. I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to see all the babies that we buried early. I can't wait to see them all. Why? There's a hope in me. They're not dead. They're alive and well in heaven. That's hope. That's hope. I have a hope in me that our, our planting and our watering will produce not just results now, but it will produce, uh, uh, produce results for generations from now. If Jesus tarries, those prayers are going to sit over this city, sit over this valley, from Artesia to Roswell, going to sit over here. You know, we, 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 serve, in a, we serve a city, man, that... It has a lot of champions in it. You know, Goddard volleyball team won the championship Saturday. Do you know Gateway Christians volleyball team won the state championship? You know, Gateway Christians football team won the state championship Friday night. Roswell High thumped, uh, I think, does Gadsden have a football team? They lost 56 to nothing to Roswell High. They played a football team, Gadsden did and lost. And they're going to the semifinals, so is Artesia. It's going to be Bulldogs versus Coyotes, I think, in the state championship. Sorry, Artesia fans. I, Tucker played for you guys for a while, but I'm a, I still root for Roswell High. I'm sorry. I still root for the Coyotes. Tucker uh, Garrett won a state championship with the Coyotes. But uh, anyway, Coach Lynn is here, and I love him for that. 
uh, and so are several of the other coaches. But uh, anyway, it's going to be one of those two teams that are going to be the state champion. You know, we need to celebrate our kids when they win championships. We need to celebrate that big time. We need to become the city of champions. But not just the city of champions in sports, but the city of champions in life. And the only way you can do this is if you serve the champion of all champions. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who conquered sin and death. That's our hope. And then, not only does it talk about Abraham, but listen to this starting... In verse 23 says, And this declaration was not just spoken over Abraham, but, all, but also over us. For when we believe and embrace the one who brought our Lord Jesus back to life, perfect righteousness will be credited to our account as well. Jesus was handed over to be crucified for, for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he had made us right with God. So he's saying, listen, if you can believe Abraham and Sarah have this child when it looks impossible, can you not have a hope that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? And God gives us these two impossible scenarios when the flesh is dead, but God's word, his hope is still alive. If you hang on and you don't give up and you don't quit, watch what God does. And when he closes one door, just thank him and say, God, I'm glad that door closed because obviously that wasn't for me. That was for somebody else. But I know you got something even better for me tomorrow. That's what hope says. That's what hope keeps thinking and speaking and living by. That's how you live a life, not down, not up one day and down the next. You live a life that's steady because the ups and downs of life don't move you. Just the word of God and the hope you have in him. And if you don't quit, if you learn to hate quitting, you learn to hate it. You learn to hate quitting. You love finishing. You love being a finisher. And you teach your children to be finishers. Oh, my goodness. They'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You won't just see it in heaven. You'll see it on earth. I said you won't just see it on heaven. You'll see it on earth. And hope, hope causes us not to quit. An expectation of something good tomorrow causes us to not quit. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is. Faith is a now thing. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, hoped, hoped in the future. Hoped for in the past, hoped for in the future. Hope, hope says, I have a confident expectation something's going to happen tomorrow. Faith says, it's going to happen right now and tomorrow. Faith uh, faith's foundations, there's two foundations of faith, and you have to have both of them. First of all, it says faith worketh by love, the love of God. You have to first believe that God loves you. When you believe God loves you, that's when you get hope. And you believe that God loves you, you believe that God's good, and that he wants to be good to you. When you start believing that, that's, when, that's what produces faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. Hope and love are the foundations that bring you to a place where you're like, ah, uh, not only do I believe it's going to happen tomorrow, not only do I believe God loves me today, but I believe his word is going to manifest today because he loves me and because he promised me it would. A lot of people don't believe God loves them like that. You know what? I know God loves us. I said I know God loves us. Turn with me to one last verse. Psalms. Let's go to Psalms. Oh, this is so good. I think it's Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Oh, this is so good. You guys ready? Oh, you're not ready. I won't read it to you. Let's, let's just end right here. You guys ready? Yeah, I baited you with that. I, I wanted a different response. Uh, listen, Psalms 103. Listen to this carefully. Lord, you're so kind and tenderhearted and so patient with people who fail you. Your love is like a flooding river overflowing its banks with kindness. You don't look at us only to find our faults just so that you can hold a grudge against us. You may discipline us for our many sins, but never as much as we really deserve. Is anybody grateful for God's patience? He goes on to say, nor do you get even with us for what we've done. Higher than the highest heavens, that's how high your tender mercy extends. Why does it talk about getting even and punishing us for what we deserve? It's because that's how people think. 
He's saying, what he's saying here is, I don't think like people think. I don't hold a grudge against you. No matter how many times you failed me, I'm patient and I love you. I'll discipline you for sin, but I won't discipline you with what you deserve. He's so loving. He loves us this much. He said, higher than the highest heavens. That's how high your tender mercy extends. Greater than the grandeur of heaven above is the greatness of your loyal love towering over all. Guys, if you don't pray for anything, I pray this, that you'll begin to pray that God will teach you how to have a loyal love. There's a difference between love and a loyal love. A lot of us love God when things are going good, but when things don't turn our way, we, t- we start to turn on him. A loyal love says, whether I'm on the mountaintop or in the valley, I love you, Father, and I'm loyal to you. God's looking for those that have a loyal love. That's called wholehearted. When you pray with all your heart, God answers your prayers. He's looking for people that have a loyal love. He said, is the greatness of your loyal love towering over all who fear you and bow down before you? Father, farther than from a sunrise to a sunset. That's how far you... You've removed our guilt from us, our sins from us. The same way a loving father feels towards his children, that's but a sample of your tender feelings towards us, your beloved children who live in awe of you. You know, my kids, um, you know, when you tell them no, they're just like any other kids. How many of your kids like being told no when they want to hear a yes? I don't know if anybody likes that, but teenagers really don't like it. Because they can justify anything in their minds. Any, everything should be yes. Right? And man, I tell my kids no, and, and man, they roll their eyes or do something. And I tell them two things. One, uh, I love you, and if you keep rolling your eyes like that, I'm going to hit you so hard they're going to be permanently rolling around in your head. <laughs> and I meant both of those things. But I would tell them, I'd say, listen, you got to learn to be able to take a no from me the way you take a yes. Why? I tell them, this is why. Because you got to trust me that I love you and I'm looking out for you. And that I do, I know you don't believe it, but I do know some things you don't know. Not because I'm necessarily my IQ is higher than yours, but because life experience counts for even more than IQ, if you ask me. I'd rather have the life experiences than the IQ. I, IQ people th- think in theory. People with experience know. They know in fact what is right, what is wrong, what works, and what doesn't work. And I would tell them, listen, man, you got to be able to take it. And not, I understand you're, you're a little frustrated because I'm telling you, you know, I get that part of it emotionally, mentally. But you got to tell your heart to, to, to feel good about my nose because my nose will help you save your life. My nose will protect you from evil and temptation. Guys, we have to understand when God when God's tells us no, he's protecting us. When he disciplines us, he's protecting us. He's protecting us and he's helping us to grow. He's, he's greater than a father, a natural father. He said that's just but a sample. He said, you know all about us inside and out. You are mindful that we were made from dust. Our days are so few and our momentary beauty so swiftly fades away. Then all of a sudden we're gone like grass clippings blown away in a gust of wind. Taken away for our our appointment with death. Leaving nothing to show that we were here. But Lord, as, as, as gloom as that looks, he said, But Lord, your endless love stretches from one eternity to another. Uh to the other, unbroken and unrelenting toward those who fear you and those who bow face down in awe before you. Your faithfulness, everybody say God's faithfulness. To keep your every gracious promise you've made passes from parents to children to grandchildren and beyond. You are faithful to all those who follow your ways and keep your word. And keep your word. Man, God loves us. And because and when you know that, when you really know that, you'll never quit. Because hope will live inside of you like a flame, like a passion. Like, I can't quit. I can't give up. And we were walking those 34 miles. That first 26 hurt, but that last eight, woo, really hurt. But man, all those words of encouragement, all those prayers and the Spirit of God and the people that were with me, there was just hope there. There was just hope there. And those things help you cross the finish line till you've completed 
and you've seen the results of believing in God and believing in God. Oh, every eye closed in this room. If you're online right now, thank you for joining us and being here with us. But whether you're watching this live right now or later in the week, we have lots of people that watch this. Either one, whether you're here or there. I mean, I, I sensed it the whole time we were praying over the lost in our families and the lost in our, the lost members of our church family we prayed over and didn't know them all by name, but we, we, God does. God knows every one of them. And just the lost, of the lost in this valley, the people that are lost in this valley, they're walking in darkness. I sense such a great call of God. I sensed him calling people. He's calling you right now. The word of God says, when Paul was preaching, he said, it's like God is, he's pleading you with you through us. It's God pleading for your souls. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. It's unfortunate so many people tell him no. I don't want your mercy. I don't want your love. I don't even believe in you. I don't believe in nothing. Those hopeless souls I feel so sorry for. But the God of all hope keeps speaking, keeps calling. He's calling to you again. He's calling to you right now. Saying, I want to save your life. I am God. It's real. It's not a game. It's not a fairy tale. It's not the opiate of the people. It's not something we just believe to feel good about itself. It's real. He's real. Good and evil's real. God in heaven, Satan in hell is real. And you have a real choice to make today. Do you serve the God of life or do you continue to serve Satan, the little G-O-D of death, of slavery? You serve the God of freedom. What does he set me free from? He sets you free from sin dominating your life. It no longer will have a right to dominate you. Jesus, when you accept him as Lord, his blood has removed Satan's right. Sin's right to dominate. You mean I'll never sin again? No, I'm not saying that. It just won't control you anymore. It won't lead you anymore. He'll give you the freedom to say yes and no. Well, I have the freedom now. No, you don't. You think you do, but you're a slave to it. It's, it's, it's leading you. You're not leading it. Accepting Jesus as Lord in this life, he sets you free from the slavery and tyranny of sin, dominating, evil dominating your life. Making your life a curse to yourself and to others. No matter what you produce, no matter how much good you think you've done, it's all a curse. All the motives are wrong and you know it. You know it's a mess on the inside. No matter how good it looks on the outside. That's why God's calling you today. He loves you. He wants to rescue you the way he rescued us. So many in this room. If you've never prayed, this is the day to pray. Right now. Right here. Online or here, this is the moment to pray. Today, live online or next week or two weeks from now online, he's calling you. He's just as real then as he is now. Maybe you have prayed. But because of whatever reason, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, greed, jealousy, Hurt, pain, whatever it is. Party, spirit, addictions, it pulled you away. God's so good. He's a God, not of a second chance, but of another chance. So whether it's your first time, first time I ever prayed was when I gave my heart to Him. Or the next time, we want to pray with you right now. Online, send us a message. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time right now. On, right here, right now. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and say, it's me. I need to pray. I need to get right with God before I leave here today. 
I need to submit my life to him. Because I trust him. He has a greater plan for my life than I do. I want him to be God. I'm tired of trying to be the God of my own life. I promise you that won't work. That doesn't end good. Because you're not God. So if you want to pray online, send us a message in here. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand up high and then put it down quickly on the count of three. And then we're all going to pray right where we're at, right where you're seated, right where people are at online. Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up and say, it's me. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God, God bless all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, so many. It's awesome. I know we have a, probably several online too. Let's all pray together, okay? Those who raise your hand, God's just looking for some sincerity. Not perfection. He's just looking for you to be sincere. He'll teach you and grow you and mature you. But you just got to be sincere today and really mean it and submit your life to Him. Jesus gave His life to save ours. He's, not, he's asking us to give our lives to Him. He's not asking us to do anything He hasn't already done for us. He's that kind of leader. So let's pray sincerely. Let everybody join in on this prayer. Say this together. Say, God... Come on, church. God, I believe you are God and God alone. And you're the God of all hope. And you sent Jesus when it looked like all hope was lost. Jesus came. He died for our sins. You raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And you want to put the same spirit, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in me. And give me life from the inside out. I believe that. And because I do, I ask you, Father, to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your full pardon, your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus... You are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I receive your spirit right now that leads me, guides me, teaches me your word, comforts me, encourages me, and shows me how to serve you, how to live life and life to the full, the life you came to give me till I see you in heaven. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's thank the God of all hope. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.